And no girl has ever portrayed that more to me than this girl that we're going to be calling up. She, not that it's wrong to look nice, it's not that, but we're just not supposed to be completely focused on that as women. We're supposed to be focused on those less fortunate. So this Christmas season is such a wonderful time to do that. And the girl that we're going to have the ceremony for this morning is Beth Ham. So come on up, Beth and Carrie. There's a rose for you, my dear. And this we're going to give to you, and I'll just hang on to it for a minute. But Beth is a really special girl. I, I remember as years ago already her making blankets for orphans and, and those less fortunate. And she is such a neat, neat example of what true beauty is all about that the Bible talks about. And her mom is going to say a few words over her, and we're going to pray for her. Well, I would like to introduce you to Elizabeth Ann Ham. Ann is after her grandma. <laughs> she goes by Beth. She just turned 13 last month in the seventh grade. <laughs> um, to describe Beth, I would say definitely compassionate, her, the parents of The friends from school that she has are amazed at the compassion she has. She has a, she sees the underdogs. She's um, a magnet to the underdogs because she's so kind and caring and looks for those that could use a friend. So a lot of her friends at school are those who need a friend. And now there's a group of them that are friends because of Beth has made the connection. So and yet she's the student that everybody's friends with because she's easy to be a friend with. She is very loyal, and she's very loving. She loves deeply, which at times can be very heartbreaking for her (laughs) when you love so deeply and you see others being hurt by those that she loves. That's very hard on her, so we've had many days of sadness at the home and the... (laughs) The drama of seventh grade and middle school and all of that. (laughs) Many hours of that. But a large part of it is because of the deep love that she has for her friends and peers. And um, When she was in fourth grade, we were talking about kids in foster care. And um, it was a continual conversation in the evenings at night when she went to bed. And so we decided to come up with an idea of how we could help and So she came up with making blankets for them. So she, in fourth grade, started Wrap Them in Love. She came up with the name. And Evolve Adoption here in Stillwater works with foster care kids. So they were thrilled and love every time she comes in with a bag full. And she always writes a handwritten note on the back and makes sure to let each child know that Jesus loves them on each note. So (laughs) that's one that gets me so sorry. So every kid that gets one from her, they're handmade, they're tie blankets, and she has a personal note for them, so they take it every, every home they go to, it's theirs to keep. And the ag- lady from the agency, who's the volunteer coordinator, was telling a child who grew up in the foster care system and aged out of the system and was never placed in the home but was in college and was telling her about it, and the girl in college said, well, I never got one. So... We specifically found out what she liked and 
made one for her. So she has a big one that she has at her college dorm that's specifically from Beth. Um, she loves worship. She's always helped with the children's ministry here at, at church and kids camp. She loves being on the worship team. And I've gone up in the past to camp with them and and it never fails. Every <laughs> There's always one evening where the Holy Spirit just completely overwhelms her. And she doesn't know what it is, and it scares her, and she cries and cries and cries and cries. So we're learning <laughs> how the Holy Spirit just loves to, he just overtakes her, and she doesn't know what to do with it, but I love it. So we walk through it, and so as she matures, she understands what it is. So I love that that happens to her quite often. <laughs> When she was two, she had what a lot of two-year-olds have are night terrors at night, and she would cry and cry and cry and be just petrified, just petrified, night after night after night. So trying to figure out what to do with that and walk that through, and I prayed about it, and Greg prayed about it, and he was really led with Psalm 91, so she's very familiar with Psalm 91. Um, so when she hears that or reads that, that's kind of her her verse, her chapter in the Bible, so that helps. And then I also, lastly, prayed and said, God, what what prayer can I pray over her and over Tommy? She has a 15-year-old brother, Tommy. And what can I do something? So God gave me this prayer, so I'll finish with the prayer that God gave me that I've been praying over them since she was two and she's 13. And I pray it every night, and I pray it over her brother, and he doesn't even mind when I pray it over him still at 15 <laughs> They kind of look for it. And there's been times where she slept over at a friend's house and she's called and said, Mom, you have to pray before I go to bed. So then I will say the prayer over the phone for her. But this is a prayer that God gave me that I've been praying over both of them for the last 11 years. It is, The blood of Jesus cover you, angels all around you. Sweet spirit, sweet sleep through the night. Wake with the morning light. Blessing, favor, and increase upon you from God and man. Follow Jesus every day of your life and never walk away. Beth and Tommy, best friends forever, serve the Lord together. Amen. Do you want to pray? Okay, so I guess we're going to pray. Father, I thank you for this treasure, this gift that you've given to Greg and I and to Tommy. We thank you for the heart and the spirit that you've put in her, that it's specific for what you have for her, the path that you have her to walk this life, Lord. The people she's to affect and influence, Lord, she is a good influencer. And Father, I pray that you set people around her to be the godly influence that she needs so she can keep giving. Give her godly ideas and, and wisdom and just ways that only Beth can bless people, Lord. Show her what it is. Those creative ideas. She's so creative and artistic, and I thank you for giving that gift to her. Show her how to use it. Show her how to lead people to you. Bless her abundantly with all that she could ever ask or think of. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There you go. All right, and I have the privilege of introducing our guest speaker. Leanne Cry is going to come and minister to us. We've known, I've known Leanne for... Boy, a lot of years. I don't even remember when I first met you, but uh, she's been involved with the Acts 13 meetings that we used to have here and been a part of the pastors that we fellowship with on a regular basis. She's a neat, neat woman of God, and I know you're going to be blessed. So, Leanne. 
Hallelujah. We have already been so blessed, haven't we? You know, I knew the food was going to be amazing. That was, and I knew the worship was going to be amazing. And the ceremony that we just witnessed, I touched all of our hearts. It was amazing. Um, one of the times when we were here, and we had this amazing, amazing oriental chicken salad. And so I was really brave, and I asked Deb for the recipe. <laughs> Not knowing the kind of food that's prepared her. And so anyway, I get this recipe <laughs> with 25 steps. And I would like to say to you that I have made it, but I, I haven't given up yet. But I was just amazed. So the labor of love that goes into the food that's here. So thank you so much for that. Praise God. And to have the presence of God with the worship. You know, it's like, um, I'm not even nervous if, if I don't have, you know, don't get everything out today. Because we have been in the presence of God. And that's what it's all about, is to know that it's real. And he's real. And this is real. You know, I was asked, I asked Pastor Deb, you know, what her advice would be. You know, if she could just say, what would be your advice? You know, if you could give someone of your Christian walk, and she said, read your Bible every day. And so that's part of what I'll even be sharing is the journey in your life. And I could see such a time in my life when I had rich deposits put in me, when I was in more of just a social church, social setting, uh, when I tried to go to natural things to solve a, a tragedy in our family, which ended up being another tragedy, and when God's word started becoming alive and totally changed and had the answers for things that, that I, I so needed. And how the Holy Spirit has been the one who, it says he is the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. And when the Bible finally started coming alive, you know, I was one of those that, I don't know if this would be anybody else, but I had a hunger for God and I'd start to read the Bible and I'd read Genesis over and over. And I'd get okay, I got to a little bit later on and then I, what is this? I couldn't understand it, so I go to Matthew. Let's try Matthew. And I'd read Matthew, and I would be okay for a little bit, and I'm thinking, why do they say the same thing in Luke? And then they had to say the same thing in Mark, and then they contradicted it in John. You know, and I, would, and I wanted to know this Bible and have the strength from it, but I was trying to do it in my head. And then when the day came, which I'll get to, where... Finally, I recognized it's not a head book. It's from the Spirit of God. And, when, and finally, I even just gave a different translation. You know, and I started to read the Bible. And the very first time the revelation ever came off the page was, a, was one of those scriptures that I had read so many times. But, and when it said, let us make man in our image. And all of a sudden, us was plural. Our was plural. And the Trinity leaped off the page. And to think, all those years later, that scripture is one that's so profound in my heart because it was the first time that that life, the truth, came in and impacted my life. And so, and that, was, so that was the start of realizing the answers. And, and I know that it is important in this day of technology um, to learn more. I do. 
and especially in connecting with younger people. And my husband is much more on the iPad. But I also found, too, I have to flow where the anointing is. And I, and, and I don't even think I'm going to end up doing that part of it, but I had had scriptures that I had, and, and it seemed like, you know, when you get in the Amplified, they'll add so many words, and sometimes I don't have enough time to add all those words. So I had him print paper, and I X'd out all of them. But you know, the more I'd read them, there wasn't anointing on it. I'd get out my Bible. And so we have to work where our anointing is. And I have this old book... And it is really old, and it looks really old, you know, and, and, it, and I, it's, it's, like, it's like my phone. You know, your phone, you can call and find where it is. There's times, it's, oh my gosh, where's my book? Because this book is full of scriptures, and not scriptures that I went to concordance and said, okay, let's, and nothing's wrong with that. But if you sometimes just go and someone gives you a scripture, and it's never really life to you, then, then it's hard to have that faith. And so there have been times when you're just reading the Bible and all of a sudden a scripture will just jump out at you. I remember reading in Isaiah once and it says that you did not bring forth your children for sudden terror or calamity. Or there would be other scriptures that you would, you know, you would meet and you would have and about how he would meet all your needs. And that scripture came alive to me. And that's what then I put in this book. And so this book is old, and, but, it's, but it's times that, that I'll find that when I get away from feeding my faith, and I'll start looking at things more and more in the natural, and then I'll try to fix things in the natural, and then I'll recognize, okay, I've got to go back and just feed on the truth and have that part become real again in my life. So when I'm praying, I'm not praying out of fear. I'm not praying out of frustration. I'm not praying out of judgment. I can come back to the word of God, which is real and true. And so I think with any of us, we'd all have, we all have things we could talk about and share. We all have this different, we come, we come to with all different experiences, different church backgrounds. Some people may have not had any church background. You know, I find that, and it doesn't make any difference, even like with the Christmas story. You know, some people may have heard the Christmas story and, and read the Christmas story or heard it preached every year of their life. And some may have really never heard it. But what is so amazing about God and about the things of the Spirit, He can take us wherever we are, whatever our background is, and He can make it alive, He can make it impact our life. And so as I share some of my te- uh, testimony, every one of you could be up here sharing things of your testimony. And I've just been, I've trusted the Lord, asked the Lord to help me to bring out um, things that may not relate to one person, but it may be a real touching point for someone else. And, and, if, and for one thing, it made me stop and really look and just see again how good he is. You know, that's one thing I have never questioned is his goodness. Even in some times when we had great tragedy in our family, I never once blamed God. I've never once in my whole life ever been mad at God or ever questioned that he was good. Now, would I say, could I say that same thing about some other truths? No. I don't even know if it's because as a child that every meal you said God is great. 
God is good. Let us thank him for our food. I don't know. Did anybody else ever say that prayer? And, you know, and it was said, I'm sh- a lot of times it's ritual, and a lot of times, like, who can say it the fastest, and you already had your eyes on the fried chicken or something. <laughs> but yet, I think that got in me. God is great. God is good. Let him thank him for his food. And so, I, rec- I could see times as I reflected uh, how that he supernaturally arranged our steps. I saw times when I didn't go to him, and the price I paid, but the how he came out at the end and his word gave me that truth. You know, there have been some times in the ministry when I've, I've, I've like Debbie and I were just laughing, okay, I quit. <laughs> well, we could all say that with different things, but it's always been because of him. It's real because of that word. Then you just brush it back off. I also have testimonies of miracles. Both our children are miracles. Uh, I mean, and, and I call Jason a miracle too. Uh, even though, you know, Natalie, Natalie's really was a supernatural miracle. I had kept having miscarriages. They gave me no hope. And, you know, when you're in your fifth month and you keep losing your baby, and your home, hormones have all gone that way, and you get, you've thrown up for five months, and you gained the weight and everything, and they'll just say, well, keep trying. And I had a miracle, and I had, I went to healing school at Rama, came back, and this time I knew, I knew, I knew it was all going to be okay, and I did, I had Natalie. I had, <laughs> excuse me, I had blankets with her name on it, I had pink blankets, and my father-in-law, he wasn't trying to be harsh, but he thought, I, you know, and he says, it better be a girl, <laughs> you know, because I had... But I knew, it was somehow in my heart I knew. And so Nally, and, and Nally's had to have a miracle to have a baby. But isn't that something I've been able to say, you were a miracle. And so we have a miracle grandson too. And then Jason, I did, as you can tell, I have my notes all in a line and I'm jumping all over. But um, I did lose my mom and dad to cancer very close in uh, time. And um, the day I found out Daddy was dying was the day I found out that I was pregnant with Jason. Guys, you guys, okay, she's okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. But it just, but I just am so grateful. I am so grateful. I am so grateful. So for other, other miracles, we've had miracles with Jason. He had to have his mouth grow or have complete surgery. We had a hanky given to us, and they, we laid that hanky on his mouth. And we went back two weeks later to the dentist, and the dentist goes, uh, and he was a Christian. He goes, you, oh, we went back in the one week, and he goes, it's not, yet, it's not there yet. But he says, we won't quit. We went back the second week, and it came out, and he was just beaming, and he said, you got it. He doesn't have to have surgery. We've had amazing miracles but we've also had things that it looked like it didn't work. But the thing is, you know, when that is, you just know the words of truth. You know that you're going to fulfill your course. You know that you're not going to give up. You shake yourself off. You get back in the word. And you keep going. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I will get back, and I'll go with my notes here. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
So don't let me, I can't move from right here from the podium. Hallelujah. You know, I want to give a, a special tribute to Pastor Karen for Children's Church. Uh, because I would say that when I was really young, um, I had this rich deposit put in me from Sunday school teachers. And that deposit, I really believe, is what has such an impact on my life that during these other things that I've talked about was, was what kept me with such a hunger because those Sunday school teachers... They put into me a love for Jesus and a love for that Bible. You know, I was so amazed as I was thinking about this with a testimony because it's been years since I've given a testimony. I mean, I've done a lot of teaching, and you may, you know, share something. But to give your testimony, I don't even know when it was. And so as I was thinking about that, I was just amazed. I could remember where the tables were and the little chairs. And I could remember where, over here where we would sing the songs, the deep and wide, you know, and all the songs. I can remember those songs to this day. And we'd have these creaky old stairs that you would walk up to the sanctuary. And if you were really good during vacation Bible school and you got picked, you were the one that got to lead everybody up those creaky old stairs. And you would sing, onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And I was just amazed how many vivid memories that I hadn't thought about for years just came alive. And I thought, those Sunday school teachers, they had such a love for Jesus. And when they gave those Bible stories, it came off the pages and into me. But you know at that, oh, I'm not sitting behind the pole, but am I? Okay. <laughs> at the very same time that I had that amazing experiences with Sunday school and vacation Bible school. We had vacation Bible school for two weeks. All day. Can you imagine being one of those teachers, Karen? And we, I mean, and it was great. But I didn't know there was also a lot of religion And there was also a lot of legalism in this church. And my mother had to walk the extra, extra mile in love with these elders. And I didn't know some of the things that happened until I was an adult. And I thought, what a gift my mother gave me. Because she created an environment where I was totally open to receive all those amazing truths. You know, and, and, you know and, and later on, you know, those people were so good to my parents. And, you know, were, people are just human. And when there gets to be legalism and religion in, uh, involved in something, it's always harsh. And so I, t- I can just tell you that I'm so grateful for Sunday school teachers and moms and different ones, you know, that, of teaching. And I still, that's one of the scriptures I pray. Is, it says that there's good, we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. And so I always pray for good seeds that have been in people, that they're strengthened. And I believe those good seeds that were put in me as a young child really made a huge impact on my life. So then from, um, from that church, we moved to town later, and I... Um, eventually then went to the social church because that's where all my friends went. 
And, you know, people loved God. Uh, I had a love for God. I don't really know how many people were born again. And it was a very social church. Everybody I knew went to church. I don't know if when you grew up, um, most everybody in my high school went to church because it was, it, you just went to church. And, um, you know, usually, like, you, my, my English teacher was my Sunday school teacher. I mean, there was all this interaction, but there was no depth there. And the part that was really uh, hurtful about that was, you know, this is my time right before college. So I'm in this social environment for like six years. I mean, so I know how to make all the, you know, underline all the R's in the bulletin. I knew how to, you know, count all the squares on the window pane. Because you were just there. But it didn't prepare me for what I had ahead of me in college. You know, I can't just blame the church. But like I'd already shared with you, I was endeavoring to read my Bible. But I didn't have any understanding. So I didn't have... I just had that foundation from when I was real little. And so there was a hunger that was still in me. And I still went to church some in college. But most of that was pretty dead. And um, I didn't think that I had really been affected so much. Uh, But later when I reflected on it, you know, the Vietnam War, Penn State, uh, the riots, uh, women's lib. That's the one that I didn't think had affected me. But it had. Because when Dennis and I first got married, we were so mixed up. One day he was supposed to be the boss, and then the next, you know, and then the next day if he was the boss, he he was. We used the term, which I don't even know if this is so terrible, male chauvinist, you know. So so either, and then if he wasn't the boss, then he was a weak leader, and we were just mixed up. So praise God, you know, when we finally got some truth, and and you just and you had this where you. It, you kind of were hearing some of these things, but um, and it was it was affecting you, and so this I realized from college, you know. But, but I still, you know, uh, I didn't really get into drinking or drugs, things like that, which I saw a lot of my friends get really messed up, and that's one of the reasons I guess later on when it's come to marijuana and some of the things with drugs, and I would even say with marijuana with me too, because I saw people who I knew in high school had great lives and great families, and I saw their lives get totally messed up on marijuana. Totally. I saw, and of course, um, you just have different things. I, one of my roommates was, was, was one of my friends from high school. Kathleen and I were roommates, and she started believing in reincarnation. She, I mean, this free thinking thing was going on in, in the 60s, too. And so, praise the Lord, I kept my head straight on all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, that culture was penetrating me a lot more than I realized. Um, Something else that did happen, and, you know, I don't want this to be a down thing, but, you know, know, it's reality. You know, my brother was um, killed then when I was in college in a motorcycle accident, and he was killed just right before his wedding. So you can imagine with my parents. And so, um, and of course, when you're in college too, you know, your friends all love you, but they're in college. So nobody really wants to, you know, have much time to have you talk about this tragedy that's happened in your family because, you know, this is your light, fun years. And so I really didn't have anyone I could talk to much. And I, when I would go home, I could tell mom and dad we're not doing well. So one of the, of the girls from my town, 
um, she got me in a sorority, and this was a really good sorority as far as low-key, you know, and most of the girls worked, and most of the girls were from rural background, and it ended up being a blessing. And so she, one of the older girls, said, why don't you be in this pageant? And so she, so, the, so they nominated me to be in this Miss Fort Hayes pageant, and I found that when we got involved with that, mom and dad started doing a lot better. You know, we all got our focus, you know, all away from Lorraine's death and all on this pageantry things. And so I thought, oh, my, you know, this really helped all of us. So I started to try to be in everything. You, you know, everything that came up as a contest, everything that came up, I would enter it. But, you know, the more I did that, the emptier I got. Before, because whenever you have a fault security of faults and other people could probably do it and they'd be okay but because where I was at emotionally and where my family was at you have some great thing happen in the natural and be, and and then it plummets again there's nothing lasting with it so then I would try to win something else you know and then we temporarily have a have a like a lift and it became almost an addiction for me to try to win something else. And I can tell you, you, it may have not been drinking, it may have not been drugs, but if you get into anything where you're trying to find the fix from the world, uh, I did, my, that's why when, when we came in later with identity in Christ, that teaching was such a t- profound teaching to know what I look like in Christ who my identity was in Christ. And because I think during that time period, you know, I kind of started losing what my identity was. And so uh, I do want to bring that up because later I can tell you that God did a great, you know, deliverance for me. But the thing that God can take, he can take craziness, you know, and you even doing things, you know, and yet he, he can still help you and work with you. And so during that time, when I'm trying to win everything, uh, one of the things I signed up for was a Rotary Exchange. And uh, be an exchange student. And I had that where I went overseas to go. And so I can see later on when we were in, a, in one of the outreaches in England with Robin later, I knew when I touched the soil in England, I knew there had been purpose on why I had been there before. And having, I think, going overseas and studying overseas so prepared me for going on the mission field and doing things later. And I'm thinking, look at that. During the time when I was so messed up, I was trying to fix everything. And I, and my, and I, to be honest with you, I was really a mess on the inside. On the outside, I may have looked like I was fine. On the inside, I was dying. And look, he took that. He took that and used that and had preparation for me for something in my life. And also when I was over there, I saw people I was with, it was like God was past. I know there's been some revival and some things in England, but where I was at, it was like God was dead. The formal church was over. And that was a wake-up call for me to see, was to be in a place where no one was talking about God. So, um, and then after that, um, the Lord supernaturally got me to Garden City. That's where I met Dennis. You know, and, and you look back later, and, and it's so wonderful how you see how God can help you. Because I put resumes out to every other school, you know, and Garden City calls me and offers me the most pay and offers me a job, and I hadn't even sent a resume to them. 
God, God is still, right now, today, in all of our lives, he's endeavoring to arrange our steps. I believe that some, somebody will leave today and say, no, God arranged your steps. Sometimes it can seem so big. Sometimes you don't even think it was any big deal at that time. And then later you can see. Yesterday, Dennis and I both came home and we realized we had been at the right place at the right time with the right people and was able to help someone, though it didn't look like a big deal. But it is so fun. I love it when you come back and you realize, oh, Lord, I thought I was going for this reason, but you had that purpose, and you're arranging our steps. And so um, I did meet Dennis, and he was a farmer, and I didn't really like Garden City that well. My plan was, you know, go there and teach for a little bit and leave. And, of course, then I met Dennis, and, um, and, he, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a farmer the rest of my life. You know, I grew up on the farm. I have a love for a farm. But, you know, when you grew up on the farm, you were a farmer the rest of your life. You didn't decide at 40, okay, let's just change occupations. And so I really wrestled with all this about marrying a farmer and living in Garden City. And, you know, the Lord was up in heaven saying, you know what, you're not really marrying a farmer. He just doesn't know it yet, but he's a preacher. You know, you're really not, you're going you're gonna to be a nomad and live all over the, you know, live all over. You're not going to live in Garden City. But I, but I will admit, I struggled with that. And, um, and, and, and the thing was, I thought Dennis was saved. That just shows where I was at spiritually. Because he, he, he was the most turned on, on fire person in our church. And so, of course, when we got married, we got married in his big church and where his family went. And I'm back in the social church. Great friends. Great parties. You know, where, and had great people. But no God. And so, in our Sunday school class, that, um, we never studied the Bible. And one of the girls that had had a Baptist background, uh, she brought up the point of, you know, I think it would be good in church, you know, if we would study the Bible. And she about, she, I'm serious, she about got ran out of church. And so, now this next one's really going to date me, because I think I'm saying it right. Do you, any of you remember the late great planet Earth? Oh, you do. Remember all the end times and the beast and everything's going to happen and bad? So that's, that's what we had in our Sunday school class was this late, great planet Earth. And, and, for, and for the younger ones, it was all on the end times. And it was all about, you know, how all the things were going to happen and the beast was going to come. And anything you've ever heard of the teaching, you know, the, the rapture of the church. Well, at least it scared us, you know, if nothing else. So, they, so the class decided... That since we were reading about end times, we should have a teaching on revelations. Revelations. So here's Dennis. He's not even born again yet, though, of course, I think he's born again. And here I am in the Sunday school class, and we're teaching on revelations. Well, it's really, because this just shows that back to the head. I would go to the church library, and I would get all these commentaries you know, on Revelations, and I would go back home, you know, with about 10 commentaries. Well, on Monday, I was so smart. I had all the answers. You need anything you need to know. But the only problem was this commentary would, con- would contradict this commentary, and this commentary would say this. And so by Saturday, I was totally confused. And so we did that. We taught the book of Revelation. So we finally went to the pastor, and we told him, you know, that we needed help. 
And he told us that there had been a key to Revelations. And this sounds terrible, but it's the truth. He told us there had been a key to Revelations, but it had gotten lost. That's what he told us. And so, anyway, we... we but, uh, but the thing that happened then was uh, Dennis started listening to the radio on the tractor. And, if you, and he was leveling land at the time, so that meant he was on the tractor early morning to late at night. And so he's on this tractor, and you can only listen to this advertisement that the furniture store is going out of sale, you know, going out of business. And his father got to where he's just going stir-crazy with these certain... And so, so he, who his father, who at this time was really anti-church and anti-God, said, if you turn over to this Christian station, you can listen to that. Well, Dennis turned into a wild man. He had his tape recorder full of dust, you know, or whatever, and he had his he had the radio. And from the time he'd get on the tractor in the morning till he turned that engine off at night, he listened to the Word of God. And he was so amazed. He didn't know at that time how he said, sometimes they all preach the same thing. All these men from around, all over, you know, all months ahead would preach things, and he got so on fire. Well, he became a wild man. And he'd come home and he'd tell me about Copeland and Hagen. And he told me about Hagen and how Hagen had seen Jesus, you know, and had these visions. And I'm like, oh, too far, too far. <laughs> so, so, what, so here we are, you know, in this situation. And, and so he wants to go to camp meeting. Well, when you're in irrigation country and we had pipe irrigation and each row, you know, like you had field L and field, you know, G, and each one of them had, they were your children. You know, you had these rows, because if the water didn't get through, you didn't get a crop. And so if you knew that this row didn't get through, you had to redo 13, 14, 15, and L. And so you'd, you just, the only time we ever left the farm all those years was this year at camp meeting. And Dennis's father even changed his mind, but we were already an hour out of town, and so he decided to let us go. So we get to camp meeting. And we have no, I mean, especially me, I've taken my swimsuit and I've taken my tennis racket because I will go here, Kenneth Copeland, but I'm not going to go here, the man who's seen Jesus. And, you know, that's too far. So we get there and we are going at this camp meeting and, and we heard the teaching with the anointing. We saw the power of God. Let me say the swimsuits never got used. And I, so then we went back to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And earlier in our Methodist class, this is what's so amazing, two, three ORU students from Oral Roberts University had come to our Sunday school class. This is, I'm not this is sure if this was, this was after Revelations. And they talked to us about the Holy Ghost. But, I, but later on, I had all rationalized. You've got to figure this out with your head, you know. They just needed to hear those tongues. Those people just needed it that day. Those people were from those countries. And so they needed to speak those languages. But that was for them. But then when we got to camp meeting, and I'd hear things in tongues, and I'd see evidence of this. And so Dennis and I went forward to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I only got a couple syllables. And so I really have a heart for anybody who ever has had that happen. And, uh, so, and, I don't, and, and, and so when I uh, would do that, I, I didn't have the fullness, the edification of it. And it wasn't until later that, um, and that's an old testimony itself of how that happened where 
I touched something, where I got a full language. But the things of the Holy Spirit started just to open up. But when we came home, of course, we didn't have anyone to talk to. And there was one friend that I thought, Kay will understand. So I called Kay, and I said, Kay, this amazing thing has happened to us. When we went to camp meeting, we got filled with the Holy Ghost. And she said, well, Leanne, I don't believe in that. So then I realized, zero. (laughs) But we would continue to have teachings that we would listen to. We drove two hours to church. And the things of the Holy Spirit and the teach and the Word of God just start coming alive. And then um, Mom and Dad did pass away, and that was a time where Mom had been... I almost lost Mom when I was in fifth grade. And because of a... She fell on ice, and because she fell, they took x-rays, and they caught her, and she was in the last stages. But they were able to save her life. She did have some hardship in her life, because of that surgery. But I had mom then from fifth grade, and then when I was in my early 20s, um, mom did pass away, and then within eight months, daddy did. And, of course, and that was a huge, and that's when Dennis got saved. Because, um, and of course, I see I already thought he was saved, so my sister came up and said, guess what, Ben just led Dennis to the Lord, and I'm going, what? (laughs) But Dennis said, even though he had such a love for God, and he had seen Billy Graham on television, he didn't, and even on the tractor, when he was listening to all those people, he had said the prayer, but something inside him knew that he had not passed from death to life. Something inside him knew that he had not made the connection. So, and he had some relatives that were Christians that were pretty obnoxious. And I thought he was exaggerating until we had the family reunion. <laughs> and he wasn't. So he decided he did not want to be like them. So his plan had been, I'll check in before I check out. So he was planning on waiting until he got in his 70s or so, then, you know, get saved and go on to heaven, but he's not going to have to act like these people. And so, I mean, and this, and this will tell you this, that's what he really thought. And so when mom and dad died so close together, um, it really shocked him, especially with daddy. So he, and the Lord gave him the scripture about your life's like a vapor. So at my dad's, after my dad's funeral, he went up to my brother-in-law, who was an amazing soul winner, someone like Vern who's been out on the streets, and then to have someone come up and say, leave me to the Lord, you know, right now. And of course, then when Dennis got born again, he was an absolute mess. He was a soul winner of soul winners. He got so concerned about everybody's soul. Speakers would come into the church, and they would always speak over him about his heart, because we have no idea that he's called. And that's how I learned to pray. Because if you came even close to our house, you, you were a candidate. <laughs> you were selling oranges. No matter what you were doing, if you got close to our property, you were going to... And I never knew where he was because he had someone. And he went to pray with this one lady. And he, he knew she was lost. He knew she was elderly. His heart was so concerned for her soul. He has, and Dennis does not cry easily, he has tears streaming down his face, and she's looking at him stone cold. Not touched in the least. Not interested in the least. And that's when he realized there must be something to this prayer. And he cried out to God to learn to pray. But so then, so we just laughed because 
he came in by prayer by default. I came in prayer because when he started to be this wild soul winner, I would run down to the laundry room. And, I, and even though I didn't know how to pray as much, I would pray because I knew that this guy was never leaving with the oranges until, you know, until he got saved. And so, we, so that's how... And then I, and I could tell you that there were people that we have come in contact with that you knew they had something. You just knew there was something that they had with God that you didn't have. You know, and you can, you can take that and you can look at it and think, oh, that's where they are. Compare yourself and think, I'll never have that. Or you can let it stir a hunger in you. And, and I would say, I don't think Dennis ever had anybody with soul winning. I think he came back from Vietnam. He came back from being in a church all of his life growing up and no one ever got saved and it so petrified him that he had grown up in church. He had been in Vietnam. And he even went to the card catalog. If anybody, anybody here know the card catalog, that really dates us, doesn't it? That's how hungry he was to know. And so, um, so this season of time in our life where, um, where, you know, we did, where, we ha- where we were touched by people, you know, and, and one lady, her name was, Bob, and I don't give any out names, but sometimes it maybe will tweak something some of you. Her name was Bobby Jean Merck. She came to our area, and she taught on prayer. I knew whatever she had, it was real. I knew that whatever she had made a huge impact on things. And so from that, just sitting under her and hearing her teach on prayer, something just went inside of me. I wanted more. And, we would, and there, when we went to Bible school, and, this, and one of our teachers, um, she would talk about the Father. She would pray the Father, and I thought, boy, I would get my prayers of all much. You know, and I would say, Father, just like I'd say every other word. And I could tell in her tone of her voice, she had something I didn't have. And I knew that she had a relationship with the Father that I wanted. And I found that each time I've been around somebody who so has had something, it has stirred something in me that there's more. When, we, uh, when Dennis did pray to learn to pray, and we went to Ramah, the Lord hooked us up with generals. I mean, really, truly generals. Really, truly generals. Really, truly and we hear people talk about them all the time. And, and, and we don't try to walk in the realms they walked in. You can only go into those realms. You can only walk in those places as, you, as God leads you. And also, we saw the sacrifice on their life. And we saw the place they walked. And it was true, God hooked us up at that time with them. And we witnessed things in the Spirit that once you've tasted some of these things, you taste, you taste the workings of the Spirit of God. You see things happen. How the Spirit of God coming on her and touching. Yes, we don't understand all those things with our head. But we have seen such amazing things happen with the Holy Spirit working with things. And yet, we know there's a, there's a, there's a learning with it. But once you've tasted those things, you want them. And so when we would, um, so I'm so grateful for the people that we've had in our lives that have shown something of God. Vern, when you're around Vern, 
When you're around Vern with soul winning, you better, you better get brave. <laughs> I can tell you when we were in England, I did not want to go on the streets. I'll be honest with you. And Robin doesn't let you get by. He doesn't care if you're the prayer person. You're not staying back praying. You're going on the streets. He never, you can't be just a specialist. You're going to learn it all. And the first time we went out with Vern, I, I wasn't that concerned because, you know, remember my husband's a wild soul winner. Well, we got over there. He became Chicken Little. <laughs> you know? And, 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 I, and I'm out there, and, and here we are in a Muslim neighborhood, and I have on this bright, bright, bright green trench coat. Dumb. You know, we're supposed to be the incognito, you know, missionaries. And we're out there, and I really, to be honest, we almost wanted to cry. It was just like, you know, and Vern won't end, but the thing was, we had to catch it from him. Vern has something. Everywhere we, he carries something. And so, yes, we may never have what he has, but we can, but we can tap in to that that he carries, and he can stir things in us. And so that's what, you know, the thing is, that prayer lives in me. And it lives in my husband now. For a time period, he really struggled with that because people wanted him to be another Phil Halverson. And, and he realized he's not. Um, oh, I do want to share this, and, and I'll close. Um, I did mention about the, my brother's death and my mom and dad's death because for a reason. Um, because sometimes we can have had things happen in our lives and those things have planted seeds in us. God has things he plants in us. Sometimes there can be things that the enemy has planted in us. I didn't even realize, because my grandmother also died, so I lost my brother and my mom and dad within this little window of time. Now, I wouldn't have told you that I had a fear about death. But when Jason was born, I would find myself at times... You know, not, not driven, not hysterical, and not telling anybody, but I'd have to walk in and he's crib and just make sure he's still alive. Well, after that happened for a little bit, the light came on. And I recognized what I was doing. And I recognized that I was opening up a door to the spirit of fear. I knew that my mom had had a fear about my, you know, different other things. So... That's when, I, when, when you have something and you recognize it, then, okay, that's when I went to the Word. And I knew, but I knew, but I knew I had to get this dealt with. I knew that if I didn't deal with it, I could open up a door for the enemy. And so I had to stay in the Word. And, I, and so I know protection scriptures. I know blood scriptures. I know the name scriptures. I've, and that's why today, you know, as I close, I will just say that um, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for the people that have plowed the way and opened up the teachings of things with the Word of God. I'm so grateful for the things of the Holy Spirit, because um, that's where it is with the Christmas story. You know, the Lord uh, impressed on me a couple years ago that um, I had let the Christmas story become too ordinary and too familiar. And, you know, we can all keep learning. That is what's so amazing. No matter where we are with God, we can learn more. No matter what we know of the Bible, you know, there's times I can read the Bible and I don't understand it at all. 
But you know, that doesn't make me quit. I just open up the Bible and I may be reading those scriptures again and one day the light will come on. There's still some things I don't know what it means. But I do know that as I trust him, it says the Holy Spirit, he leads us and guides us into all truth. It says that he is the teacher. And so a couple years ago, I went back to the Christmas story and I said, I'm not going to have one more year go by where the Christmas story is something that I just hear on the radio or I just read casually. Lord, I know you can show me something new and, and, and vibrant with the Christmas story. And so that's what, um, that's what I have done. And I guess that's what I want to leave with you this morning. That doesn't have to be spectacular. But, but if you haven't done that for a while, let the Holy Spirit take the wonder... Of the of, and because you can look at the at at the whole Christmas story, you can look at the way it is naturally, the smell of the animals, the you know the looks like he's abandoned. You can then see that there's a troop of angels, there's a host of angels, there's a heavenly knighthood. You can look at the natural. You can look at what it is in the spirit. And it can so stir the story. You know, I think because it has been so tabooed, you know, with a, with a nativity scene, I find someone has a nativity scene in their yard. I want to go ring their doorbell and say, oh, let me bring you some cookies, you know. Because it's just, there's something so precious about seeing that again. Last year we were ministering in a church at just this time of year, and, and we stopped to get some gas, and I went in the women's bathroom. And in the women's bathroom was this table, and the table wasn't that fancy, and the nativity scene wasn't even in that great a shape. But I was, I was like, oh, a nativity scene in the bathroom of the, gra- of the gas station. I went out, and I bought candy bars, and, you know, well, let me bless it. Because there's, there's a place that, that every year, and I was amazed we had someone at our table who had bought already their Christmas presents. But, you know, Christmas can get to be so busy. And, um, and so I just would say, oh, any of us reading that Christmas story again and say, Holy Spirit, I take the limits off. Just let this Christmas story become such a delight to my heart, greater than it's, than it's ever been. Let this Christmas story so touch my heart. Let my one, the wonder of it, the joy of it, what you, you know, let it, let it just be the praise that comes from my heart from this Christmas story. So thank you for your time. I pray blessing first of all over Leanne and then I'll just close it with prayer, okay? If you want to extend your hands, they do a lot of traveling, not just overseas, but they're... Um, they're on the road a lot, <laughs> uh, and you can see why. So, Father, we just thank you for this gift to the body. Um, and, Lord, we just thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for Leanne and Dennis, both. And, Lord, I thank you for the encouragement she's brought us today, how uh, even when we make mistakes in our lives and make some stupid decisions, Father, you... Uh, are still able to make something out of it and bring good out of it. And, and Lord, she just uh, reassured us today as, as she shared and was open about some of the things she did, but how you brought it all back and you, brought, you made something out of it. Lord, I pray that each one of us today, if that's the case, that we can look to you and say, okay, God, I screwed up, but you know what? It's yours. Uh, do whatever you want to with it. Bring good out of it. Uh, bring something that will bring glory to you out of it because that's what it's all about. And so I thank you.
We pray a greater, increased anointing even on their ministry as they go forth in whatever capacity, Lord. And we thank you for the relationship we have with them. I thank you that uh, uh, she even makes some new friends today here. And, Lord, that you uh, strengthen the bonds of the ones that know her already. But, Lord, even some new friendships today. And we just pray a blessing over her and Dennis, their ministry. Lord, I pray a blessing over each one here today. We thank you especially uh, for all the work that's been done. Um, Gwen and uh, Father Mary, uh, Gwen and... <laughs> Joanne, I'm sorry, Lord, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and Diane and Beth, Bev, uh, all the guys, Lord, um, you have just blessed us with such great servants in this church. And Lord, we pray blessings on them, Lord. I pray blessing over each and every one that this season where we acknowledge the birth of your precious son, that, Lord, you would open up our eyes. And we would see it in a way that we haven't ever seen it before, Lord. We'd see Jesus and the sacrifice he made, Lord, to come to become human, to, to be human. We think that's not a big deal, but Lord, he gave it all up to become human. And that's what Christmas is all about, that great love. And so, Father, I thank you as we open up our hearts. You fill them with new revelation. And thank you for travel mercies now for everyone as they leave. Go forth, Father, and we just uh, want to give you the glory for everything you've done today. In Jesus' name, amen. And I won't make you shout. <laughs>